This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It's time for Right Spot with Dunedin UNESCO's City of Literature. Well, every couple of weeks we take an opportunity to celebrate our city's status as UNESCO City of Literature, talking with uh, people involved in the local literary scene, mostly, but today we get an opportunity to uh, broaden our horizons a little. Stasha Brandon is uh, visiting from Seattle City of Literature. Stasha, uh, morning, uh, good morning. Thank you for joining. It's great to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What brings you here? Well, I've had the pleasure of working with Nikki Page at Dunedin City of Literature for many years, and I thought it was time to visit the beautiful city. And so I'm here for about a week, and Nikki has been showing me around, and I've had just such a pleasure getting to know the city. I've only been here a few days, but I'm just so enjoying my time, and the weather's been gorgeous. I'm so pleased that you've got some sunshine. <laughs> it ain't always the way, as most people will tell you. Oh, so many questions. Um, let's talk about Seattle for, for a start. Where does your connection with the City of Literature go back to? So I started uh, my involvement with the Seattle City of Literature back in 2015 and uh, was involved sort of on the fringes. And um, when our bid was unsuccessful in 2015, I actually got brought on in 2016 to help manage the organization and uh, work on our bid for the next year, 2017. And so I was managing the organization as an interim executive director in 2016 and 2017. And um, and I'm happy to say that we were designated in 2017 and sort of officially became part of the network then. Yeah, and what does it mean? I mean, why, why is it important for a city to make a bid like this and to pursue a bid like this? Well, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of cities initially go into it thinking that it's going to be about um, tourism and driving traffic to the cities and things and that is one happy benefit of the designation but I look at it as a call to action the idea is that we are working with the creative economy in our own cities to end up you know sort of uh, instigating good social change things that the community is looking for and wants to um, make change in the community around but um, we're using sort of creative leverage in that sense um, so yeah, I think being part of the network, we get to have the opportunity to learn from other cities and, uh, sh- you know, cities share best practices and um, we learn from one another. We steal each other's really good ideas. <laughs> and um, and also it's wonderful to know that we're not alone. You know, as I joined the network and um, Nikki at Dunedin City of Literature was so welcoming and has been just such um, a wonderful guiding force for Seattle as we've been getting to know the network. And we've learned so, so much and we've discovered there's so much in common between our cities. We have so much in common. To be successful in a bid, do does a city need to already have a thriving and successful literary scene, or is it about trying to support and grow it, or is it both? It's actually both. I think that they're, they ask, they being UNESCO, asks that we demonstrate a you know a thriving literary scene and kind of current day literary scene, but they also ask for us to explain what it is that we would do with the designation with a four-year plan, and then every four years they, they ask us to sort of re-up that explanation of what we're going to be doing. And what's great about that is that then you can do some future planning around you know how you're going to use the designation, how you're going to work within the network to help your city. So what was the plan for the four, first four years as far as Seattle was concerned? Well, uh, we were originally planning on doing a series of... Um, 
like racial equity workshops. We've had a lot of conversation in the United States around racial equity, and so we felt like our city, uh, what we were hearing from community is that they wanted some help navigating those conversations, and so we were able to implement those. We were planning on doing an economic impact study as well of the sector, and um, once we kind of got in after the designation and we got into the work, um, we were hearing from community that they didn't think that that would be valuable, and so we sort of tacked to a different direction and we have now been undertaking a literary map of the city, which has been just a joy to work on, um, working to catalog all of the literary community partners in the city and then actually map them. And that's sort of a twofold project in that it helps for tourism purposes. It helps visitors to the city understand all of the wonderful stories that make our city a uh, city of literature, but it also helps on the sort of the behind the scenes so that when our officials are planning infrastructure or they are wanting to look at the health of the sector from year to year, they'll be able to see, you know, what's going on with the sector because of the map. How are you supported in the work you do other than, than from a network perspective? Are, are you employed by the local government in the job that you do? Well, currently our uh, designation is managed by the nonprofit or NGO, Seattle City of Literature, and it's made up of a working board of about eight people and a board of trustees. And so that work is supported financially from a variety of partners, grant uh, grants from community organizations, and um, we are very lucky to have the support of the Office of uh, arts and culture at Seattle, um, and then we also have gotten wonderful grants from Amazon Literary Partnership. They're a local company to Seattle, so they've been supportive of our work, um, and For Culture, which is another grant-making organization. How would you describe the visibility of the work that you're doing? Is Are you starting to um, be recognized more widely than within the literary scene as, as being a city of literature? It's, it's a slow process, and I actually am okay with that in that we really felt that it was important for the work that we do to serve the community first and foremost, and not necessarily just be sort of externally facing, but really um, informed and engaged with the community. And so it's been slow in terms of people recognizing it. Um, but I will say, I was telling Nikki that we, a, a local pizza chain, Pagliacci Pizza, um, put City of Literature on their pizza boxes. And w- the thing that was so delightful about that is that we had nothing to do with it. I just ordered a pizza one day, and there, <laughs> there it was. And I just laughed. You know, it was great. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is a recognition that there's value for, for others not directly associated with, with uh, this, the, the City of Literature status that, you know, you can start talking proudly about your city in that way is another important aspect of the way it supports arts and culture in the city. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. So you mentioned, um, Stasha, that you've uh, you've formed these collaborations. Nikki is, is one of those within um, the network that you've had a chance to meet and talk with, but there are many others worldwide, right? Um, what are the kinds of things and values that you, that you um, are able to extract from those relationships? It, it depends sort of on a lot of factors. Sometimes it's what whether the cities have an alignment in terms of the work that they want to do. We've been lucky to collaborate with Dunedin City of Literature on a number of projects, um, including an indigenous poetry event that we um, hosted digitally in 2021, featuring uh, Iona Winter, who I think has been on the show before, Indeed. and um, and some wonderful poets, Sasha Takshablu, Lapointe, and Rena Priest from Seattle. Um, so we've been able to do programs like that or um, – and 
but then we've also worked with some of the other cities in terms of sort of broader projects. Um, there are kind of network-wide projects like um, World Poetry Day, where um, Granada, Granada City of Literature actually spearheads that project, and um, they invite all the other cities to participate, and people participate as they're able, and that can look really different from city to city. Sometimes it's like a 24-hour poetry marathon. Sometimes it's a single event. Sometimes it's publishing a, a book. You know, it just kind of depends. Um, and we've had the pleasure of working sort of on that broader level with a number of the cities and in doing projects that invite their collaboration or, um, or you know, just kind of surface level, I guess, is what I'm thinking, collaboration. And one of those kinds of projects was um, Seattle Public Library always does a book bingo every summer. And so uh, last year we had a square on the book bingo card that was read a book from a city of literature. And so we had all of our cities of literature suggest books so that we had a nice book list for our patrons to, to explore. And um, and so that's a fun, easy kind of collaboration. But you know, the deeper collaborations really depend on where each city is at in terms of the work that they're doing. And so it's, I, I wanna say, I feel like we have a really special relationship with Dunedin. We've had the, the pleasure of sort of deepening that connection over the years and, and doing sort of more um, that deeper work and sort of more authentic community development with them. I'm sure Nikki has introduced you to some of the better coffee shops in town, but oh, uh, yeah. that's not what it's all about. Tell <laughs> us a little bit more about what you've been doing on the ground here. Oh, well, I've only been here since, uh, I think, Monday evening, mm. um, but uh, we've already had the pleasure of kind of taking a walk around the Octagon, and then I actually spent most of yesterday afternoon at St. Kilda and St. Clair Beach. And um, one of the things that I was just delighted by, and this is something we haven't done yet in Seattle, so I'm going to totally steal the idea, is I've been just so pleased to see how literature shows up in the everyday lives here. Like, you know, getting a, a ticket from the parking meter, and there's a poem on the back. It's just, it's so beautiful. And um, at St. Clair Beach, there's a poem on the on the steps there by the surf club, and it's just a delight. You know, it's the kind of thing that helps bring it into your everyday experience of the city. You know, mm. the writers walk in the octagon too. That's probably not an uncommon thing yes. around cities of literature, but yes. uh, one of the aspects here you will have noticed, no doubt. Yes. So there's just um, so many fun things, and we have, I think, a. Uh, an adventure plan this afternoon to the Otago Peninsula, mm. I think, <laughs> and um, and um, they've been so welcoming in terms of you know taking me to all the wonderful sites. So it's I just am so happy to be here exploring. Longer term, some uh, other things in the pipeline that will see you collaborate with us a little bit further. And I'm thinking uh, of a special event that might be coming our way later on. Yes, we have uh, something in the works with the wonderful folks at the New Zealand Young Writers Festival. We had collaborated with Dunedin City of Literature on the Heat is On project, um, which was Young Writers on the Climate Crisis. And that um, collection featured Seattle's youth poet laureate Zinnia Hansen, and I believe that Zinnia is going to be doing a panel as part of the New Zealand Young Writers Festival, and I think that Orr is one of the um, partners on that program as well, so we'll, we'll be looking forward to working with you in October. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, we mentioned young writers. Um, what does the youth scene look like in Seattle at the moment in that regard? It's pretty robust, and um, it's interesting to see because it's fractured a little bit into, we sort of have the poetry scene and the 
slam poetry scene is sort of its own thing. And then we also have folks that are doing um, journalism and like narrative nonfiction. Um, you, there's a lot of that. And then we have the kind of classic fiction. But the youth scene is pretty robust and um, and there are writing classes um you know, for sort of all different age groups um, at a number of organizations. We also have a ton of programs that bring writers into the schools, working with youth to help them find their voice, tell their story, that kind of thing. Past couple of years of the pandemic not been easy for most organizations. Has it impacted on Seattle City of Literature and the work that you've been doing? Well, absolutely. That mapping project that I mentioned earlier was a project that was originally slated for 2020. And once the pandemic hit, we had just started doing what we call community listening, where we convene community to talk about the project and get their input. And we had just finished the initial stage of that when the pandemic hit in our region. And we were asked by the city leadership to basically put any project that wasn't COVID response on hold. And so we found that um, we were trying to find other ways that we can support the community. One interesting sort of unintended way that we were able to support the community is a project that we we were publishing. Again, it was meant to come out in 2020. It's called Seismic Seattle City of Literature, and it's a collection of essays from writers around the city uh, talking about what makes Seattle a city of literature. And one of the things that was kind of interesting about that was it was sort of unintentionally a road forward for rebuilding after COVID, we've discovered, in that a lot of the writers were, I wouldn't say critical of the city so much as calling out some of the challenges of living there. It's expensive. Um, and, you know, looking at, you know, what can we do to better support the arts in our community? And so after, well, I guess we're not really through COVID yet, but, you know, as we've been going through COVID, that's one of the things that we've been able to turn to. And some of these essays have very prescriptive sort of ideas. And so we've been able to offer those. And just a uh, a release of the valve, I suppose, as well, because there will have been all these emotional responses to to lockdown, to illness, to, to worry and stress. Yes, yes, we've had a lot of that. There was this beautiful project by one of our poets um, in town, Claudia Castro Luna, um, and um, she did a project called The Poetics of Home, where she invited people to, this was during sort of the worst part of lockdown, she invited folks to just share poetry that reminded them of their home. And and she created a website so people could share that and sort of gather together in each other's homes, but through poetry on this website. And it was a really beautiful project. Another writer, Jennifer Haupt, put together uh, an essay collection, I think that had maybe 90 writers called um, Alone together and um, that was uh, the point of that was to raise money for an organization called bank which supports um, independent booksellers across the country but Jennifer's based in Seattle and the collection features a lot of Seattle writers helping you mentioned gleaning a lot from you, the, the visit for yourself. Uh, what about um, reciprocally? Has uh, Nikki been telling you about uh, her interest in any of the initiatives that Seattle's got underway? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's the kind of thing, particularly when you've built a wonderful um, relationship with a particular city or a particular person in this case, we were just chatting and we started, she was talking to me about the Dunedin sound. And so I, I was learning about that and we were listening to some music. And, and then I got to thinking, because Seattle's known, for grunge and I think it's built on some um, sort of core 
music from the Dunedin Sound, and then we got thinking, oh, maybe we can do some cool project there. Oh. And so, you know, the it the projects just sort of arise as you've been. Um, as you build relationships. And so I think we've just had such a pleasure working together. Nikki and I also have worked really um, deeply together on a number of projects. We co-chair the communications committee for the Cities of Literature Network. And so we have a lot of work that we do together there on behalf of the network as a whole. And so, um, you know, we, we're always bouncing ideas off each other. When do you return home, Stasha? Well, I'm actually heading with Nikki uh, on the 4th, I believe, to Melbourne for a Cities of Literature conference where um, I believe 30 of the 42 Cities of Literature will convene to uh, share best practices and chat. And... Um, and then I return home, I believe, on the 11th of September. It's a little tricky with the time difference. Your head will be spinning, what with the visit here and then a conference with uh, no doubt a lot of more provocative input. It's the best best kind of spinning. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great that you could spare some time to come and join us here. Stasha Brandon from Seattle City of Literature. Um, go well and enjoy your time here. I know Nikki will uh, be a most gracious host and she's looking forward, no doubt, to the rest of the day with you as it looks pretty good out there right now so go and enjoy our beautiful Otago Peninsula and we look forward to hearing further about those collaborations down the track. Thank you so much really appreciate it. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.